You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as a security expert. My password ends in one, which means it's hacker-proof. But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is David Gordyansky, the CEO of AnchorFree, the maker of a virtual private network app called Hotspot Shield. It has 600 million users, and Axios calls it the most important mobile app you've never heard of. We'll talk about all of that and more. David, welcome to Recode Decode. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it's a great time to be talking about security now. We're, to, even though this is going to be airing later, there is a hearing tomorrow in the Senate about security and the lack of security on social networks. Obviously, everyone is concerned about the midterm elections and everything else. And most people are thinking really hard about how our technology is being misused, essentially, um, and hacked and all mm-hmm. kinds of different things, not just hacked, but misused. Give us a little background on Anchor, uh, uh, your company, Anchor Free. So. AnchorFree is one of the companies that has been providing security and privacy for the masses over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. We have uh, about 650 million people that have installed our applications across mobile devices and computers. And we grow by about 250,000 new downloads every day. Essentially, what we do for people is our flagship app is called Hotspot Shield. Mm-hmm. It secures everything you do online, essentially making every app you use, every website you visit as secure as like your banking site or banking app. We're used on public Wi-Fi, which is a big area where consumers have their identities and data stolen a lot. So airports, coffee shops, hotels, in-flight Wi-Fi, we encrypt all of the traffic from a mobile device or computer or phone and essentially uh, secure it all. Um, the other thing we do is we protect the user's IP address, which is a unique number that your internet service provider assigns to you mm-hmm. when you first connect to the web at home or or when you're connecting to Wi-Fi. And essentially, we take that IP address, that unique number, we throw it away. And so it disrupts the ability of your internet service provider or random websites or hackers from tracking you across the web. And understanding what you're doing. And understanding what you're doing. They're, they're just seeing— Because they're trying to create data, what you want to buy, what are you looking at, what are you seeing, so they can just have that data. Like a Comcast or a Verizon or yeah, Google. Exactly. Well, and until March of 2017, it was actually illegal for ISPs to collect right. and sell your data. Until then. Yeah. As of March 2017, it's now legal. They're collecting and selling Just it without like any problem. Just like the Googles and the, and the exactly. Facebooks, right? Exactly. exactly. And so we're protecting from that happening. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the background, though. How did you start it? So uh, my co-founder and I were both students when we started the company. We were 23 mm-hmm. years old, and we were working out of coffee shops a lot. 
and realized that uh, Wi-Fi was unsafe and unsecure. And we also realized that privacy as a whole was just going to explode in, in the coming years mm-hmm. because billions of people are joining the internet on on smartphones. As a matter of fact, today we have two and a half billion uh, smartphone users. Over the next three years, we're going to have five billion. People are moving on from you know old Nokia feature phones to smartphones. And with, we realized like early on that the privacy and security were going to be like super important for people. And so we started Anchor Free. In our minds, what we really wanted to do is solve a real billion person problem. We wanted to essentially take control over information, over people's data, away from corporations like Google and Facebook, hackers and governments, and give it back to the people. And we felt like this would be something that really would be impactful like at a huge scale. And um, essentially, we started Anchor Free Launched Hotspot Shield, and most of our users initially were here in Silicon Valley using us, you know, at Stanford or wherever on University Avenue to secure uh, Wi-Fi. Until one morning, we walked into our offices and found a million Egyptians using our product. Uh-huh. And we had no idea why. They were all in your office. They were None of them were in our <laughs> office. Uh, and uh, we've never marketed in Egypt, and we had no idea. We didn't know anyone in Egypt. Mm-hmm. It turned out that the Arab Spring started, and mm-hmm. Egypt blocked access to social media, and the only way people could get to information was through Anchor Free Hotspot Shield. Uh, we looked at that, and we thought, well, this is super interesting. Privacy and internet freedom are some of the most pressing, like, mm-hmm. human rights, technology issues, and also, like, moral issues. Like, mm-hmm. You know, providing freedom and privacy are right, are the right things to do. And we're, we're very idealistic and naive. We're 23 years old, and we're like, hey, we can, like, devote our youth, our energy, and our time to something that actually matters, and that something that matters for a billion people. And it, privacy and security could be a really good business, but it's also important for the world, regardless of being a good business. It's just important for people. And so that's how we started. All right. But you have other things that you do on the, on the service, correct? We do. We started initially with Wi-Fi security. Then mm-hmm. we added internet freedom right. and privacy. Mm-hmm. And most recently, we added a protection from phishing, malware, and spam. So it's sort of a more comprehensive security product, right. which protects consumers from most of their uh, sort of mobile security threats of Today. Where most of it happens on Where, mobile, although exactly. you can do it on a computer. Now, exactly. this has been, you know, sort of an area of people by a lot of big competitors, Symantec and others, um, over the years. So talk about how it's morphed, because obviously it's become a mobile issue. People are much more connected, almost all, always on. And computers, you weren't always on necessarily. You may have had it open at home, but it wasn't used. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about the, how the challenges have changed and how do you compete against these? Because there's tons of these VPN sites. You know, I've used them in China. I've used them lots of places, but not as a regular occurrence. Uh, so let me first start by saying that I think, and the, you know this really well, security and privacy threats are exponentially growing. Mm-hmm. You're seeing things like Equifax getting hacked. You're seeing mm-hmm. Cambridge Analytica. You're seeing Target well, and Yahoo. That wasn't a hack. That was well, a use. That was, that was sell- yes. Yeah. That was selling of user data, right? Mm-hmm. All these vulnerabilities, uh, the crack vulnerability, which was found last year in all Wi-Fi you know, hotspots that people thought were secure and they mm-hmm. weren't. Uh, all of these uh, security and privacy challenges are just exponentially growing. And the companies, the biggest companies in the world around security, some of the companies you mentioned, are selling uh, a lot of the like old school security companies mm-hmm. are selling sort of PC antivirus at Best Buy, right? Mm-hmm. And we're in 2018 and we've got 
like massive security and privacy threats happening on our mobile phones. Mm -hmm. And so we're not seeing that the sort of old school security companies are addressing these challenges. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, if you look at most of them, most of the revenue is still coming from the old PC business and their mobile revenue is like tiny. Mm -hmm. So we want to, you know, we kind of set out on a, a path to build the next generation Mm-hmm. security and privacy company that's really going to be for 2018 and for the future. Right. And it's mobile-centric and it's around pri- pr- protecting the privacy of your data that's being collected by a bunch of third parties. It's also about protecting users from phishing, which is a very big multi-billion dollar problem mm-hmm. for consumers and businesses mm-hmm. and malware. And so uh, we're not seeing a lot of solutions. We're seeing a lot of challenges. Right. So we believe we have the opportunity to sort of build that next-gen security now, company. Now, you've raised how long—you're How you're a profitable company, correct? We have been a profitable company for many years. Mm-hmm. And But you've just raised an enormous amount of money. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we raised a fairly sizable round. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth investment we've mm-hmm. taken. Mm-hmm. And we basically raised it for several reasons. One is— uh, Really around what I was just saying, that there's an opportunity to build the next generation security company mm-hmm. for that will secure the privacy and security of the next billion consumers and thousands of businesses. Right. And to do that, we're building new products sort of to add to our to Hotspot Shield, to our to create sort of a security and privacy suite. We're also looking for MA. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of new products uh that, we're, that are going to be geared towards protecting the security and privacy of um, the next billion people we're going to build. Some of them we're going to buy. And we believe that it's really not about having one product, but a comprehensive suite where the next group of consumers and businesses that are thinking about their privacy and security, they're just going to subscribe to this or even use it for free. So you raised how much? Model. How much did you raise in this round? Close to $300 million. And you had raised previously? We raised $63 million before. So, so this is a big leap. Yeah. And who is investing in this? Uh, it's a group of investors. Uh, the lead investor is Wonderco, mm-hmm. which is a holding an investment company started by Jeffrey Katzenberg mm-hmm. and Suji Jaswa and Ann mm-hmm. Daly. And the other investors include Excel, mm-hmm. Excel Partners, and several other funds. Several others. And yeah. so the idea is that you gone along with a small amount of money, $63 million isn't very much, and right. now you have to up the game in this regard. Yeah, essentially we want to build— um, a product suite that a billion people will use for free and 100 million people will pay for. And to do that, uh, it's a combination of products mm-hmm. for security and privacy that are that we, we have to put together and build. And, and we're looking at M&A as a pretty important you know, focus area. Sure. We're going to be looking very uh, carefully at interesting technologies that we could add to our suite. Right. So talk about your business, right? How do you make money? So and in the next section, I want to talk about the risks people have that you're seeing. And stuff sure. Like that, but talk about that. So we generate revenue from a freemium business model, mm-hmm. similar to a Dropbox or Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, people download Hotspot Shield, they use it, they can start using it for free, and at certain points, we ask people to pay. Uh, we have users that use it for free forever. We have users that have been using us for five, six, seven years for free. But at the same time, uh, we have a percent of our users that are paying a subscription. It's twelve ninety nine a month mm-hmm. or... Um, $75 a year, mm-hmm. and uh, that provides security and privacy for all for up to five devices. Right. So a lot of businesses are also buying it. A lot of people are buying it for their families. CFOs are using us. Um, you know, people on Wall Street are using us. Um, a lot of people use us to protect their health it's data. Generally, it's a, but it's generally a freemium model where you get more and more services beyond a, a, a lower level of service, correct? Correct. 
And what is the growth in, in your thing? Is it just this VPN business where people, where do you, or is it just different globally? Uh, the growth we're seeing is uh, mostly uh, around mobile security and privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing, as I mentioned, 250,000 new users every single day. So what are they day, looking for? What are they? Uh, that are looking for one of these four things, either security and Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. privacy protection even at home. You don't want Comcast or whoever to see what you're doing online. Mm-hmm protection from phishing, malware, and spam, Mm -hmm. and also access to global content that may not be available in certain places, like the example of Egypt. Well, I'll tell you one interesting trend that's happened over the last few years. Our usage uh, has shifted heavily from being emerging Mm markets-focused to being U.S.-focused. I mean— So you're going the opposite direction. It's very interesting, right? Typically, people start in the U.S., get market share. We're very different. We're a California-based company. All of our employees are here, and yet our usage for a very long time— was primarily Egypt and China. Exactly, emerging markets. Over the last two years, that has changed materially. We still are big in emerging markets and still are growing, but the U.S. is now like 50% of our usage. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just incredibly And large. you're feeling—why is that? A couple of things. We saw a major spike when the FCC uh, allowed ISPs to sell user data. Mm-hmm. We saw a major spike with the repeal of net neutrality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a major spike in usage with the crack vulnerability and Wi-Fi, Cambridge Analytica, all of these things where people realize that, hey, my privacy is being compromised without my consent mm-hmm. and my security is at risk. All these things uh, have caused like major and this spikes. this people in the U.S. who thought they exactly. were not. They were not exactly. you know, bought and paid for, essentially. Exactly. Right. People, essentially two years ago, people in the U.S. just didn't care about privacy mm-hmm. and, and security. And today that's changed in a fairly massive way to a point that if you look in the App Store, what are like the top 50 most downloaded apps? Mm-hmm. You'll see Facebook. You'll see Twitter. You'll see mm-hmm. a bunch of games. Alex Jones for a second, but thank God that changed. But go uh, ahead. And you'll see us. Yeah. Uh, there's actually two apps that we own and operate that you'll see in the top 50. Which are? Uh, Hotspot Shield and BetterNet. Mm-hmm. And what's the second one do? It's essentially the same thing, only it's targeting sort of a younger demographic, more mm-hmm. student-focused. Hotspot Shield is more business professional focused. I see. Okay. Uh, what but, do students need? That is um, more same, hip, same hipper, hipper language? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Different branding. <laughs> but essentially, almost every app in the top 50, mm-hmm. top apps on the iPhone, mm-hmm makes most of the revenue from ad- selling data to advertisers, right. right? We make most of our revenue from protecting your data. From advertisers uh, and others. From ISPs, from from whoever, right? right. So I firmly believe that, the, you know, the first three companies that uh, essentially got to a billion people online mm-hmm. were first Yahoo, then Google, then Facebook. I, I believe the next company that gets to a billion people online is going to be in the business of protecting your data. From those people. From those people. All right. Well, those people are in the <laughs> business of selling your data. That's a perfect segue. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about what is at risk for consumers and what they have to watch out for, even among your competitors, other VPNs. Yeah. You had scared me about one I had downloaded uh, yeah. when we were having coffee. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with David Gorodjanski, the CEO of Anchor Free. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline, because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
I'm with David Gorodjanski. He's the CEO of Anchor Free, which is an app and a piece of software that allows you to protect yourselves from the prying eyes of everybody, which is on the Internet. So we're just talking about the background of his company, but let's talk a little bit about what people should be worried about and what they shouldn't. Maybe we'll start on what they shouldn't be worried about. What are some hype things that people should not think about? You know, we just uh, surveyed our users, Mm -hmm. and we asked them, do you care about privacy and security? Mm -hmm. And if so, like, when? Mm -hmm. And what we learned is that most people said that 70% of the time, they actually didn't care about their privacy. They're Mm -hmm. happy to share pictures on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. But 30% of the time, almost everyone said they cared about their privacy enormously. Mm -hmm. And that 30% was when it came to things like your health care, your finances, and your family. Right. And people said, look, if I'm communicating with my uh, friends and family, I want, I want that, those conversations to stay private. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing like some kind of financial transaction, I'm logging into my bank, I want that to be private. And if I'm researching things on WebMD or on Google around my healthcare, I want those things to be private. And, uh, but, you know, other times I'm happy to be public and yeah. not be private. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people have said, hey, are you going to, you know, disrupt business models of people that are, you know, like of Google and Facebook? And I said, and I don't think so. Because I guess essentially I believe that there's a reason and an opportunity to provide privacy and security for a billion people or more. Mm-hmm. And they may not need to be private and secure all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think if 70% of the time they're like, look, we're happy to share our data, that's fine. But that 30% of the time where people want to be private, Mm -hmm. they should have the ability to click a very easy button and protect themselves. So let's talk about what's at risk, what people don't realize. When I was using a VPN, like I told you a VPN I just happened to use, I was was somewhere and I was using it. Um, He was like, don't use that. I'm not going to name them, but they're from China. Explain what what the problems are with some of this, these things. There's a number of problems with using security products from companies that are not well known Mm -hmm. or not known at all. Mm-hmm. In the VPN industry specifically, mm-hmm. there are some you know well-known players. There's Anchor Free. There's yeah, Symantec and McAfee and Kaspersky and Bitdefender, sort of like people in the security space that you kind of know. Even Verizon just launched a VPN, mm-hmm. right? So so there's um, Samsung launched a VPN, and that's that's fine. And then there's like all these sort of compl- yeah, the people collecting your data, launching a VPN. Well, obviously. Uh, well uh, let's talk about that uh, okay, in a second. Right, okay. <laughs> but then there's completely unknown players. Mm-hmm. And so consumers and businesses have to sort of do a little bit of research and say, hey, are, do these people, are they transparent about how they collect and treat data? Mm-hmm. Have they, do they share data with governments? Do they, you know, whatever else? There's, there are VPN companies that are, um, like a lot of VPN companies, don't disclose uh, who's on their board, who's on the management team, do, who are their investors. Have they ever issued a transparency report? So there's just an independent um, report that was published today, actually, mm-hmm. uh, from AV Test, which is a German security auditor. Mm-hmm. And they sort of analyze the security space. They have been around for a long time. They've been analyzing antivirus products and other things. So they just issued a report on VPNs. And what they found was that most VPN companies shared, like, no transparency. This is like a trust and transparency report. And AV Test specifically studied, like, how transparent are these companies with uh, their data collection practices and also who they are and their jurisdiction and all these things. They found that most of the industry actually didn't disclose even their location, their management teams, their, their, their CEO, nothing. Pretty scary. One of them happens to be in China, which is mm-hmm. even more scary. 
then they, they studied sort of like who has the, issued a transparency report, and they found actually there's only three companies in the VPN space. Explain what a transparency report would do. A transparency report is a legal official statement, document, which shows how many subpoenas or right. requests for information. From governments. From governments, various governments around the world, a company has received, and how, many, how much information have they shared. Right. When you're thinking about security and privacy, uh, it's fairly important that the products you use are run by companies that are transparent and have and transparency reports. And will resist reports. subpoenas, and will, inact- I, incorrect subpoenas. Exactly. And will either resist or even better, will just have no information to share because of the way they're architected. Mm-hmm. See, because resisting subpoenas, it's a, it's a very hard game, especially mm-hmm. for startups. Right. You're, you know. Uh, the best way to protect user data is to not collect it. Right. Because then you don't have to resist anything. Yes, you just have be. nothing to hand over. Yeah. This AV test report found that uh, only three companies in the VPN space for both consumers and businesses have issued transparency reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three companies are Cisco, Avast, and Anchor Free. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has issued a transparency report. And according to the tr- transparency reports, both Cisco and Avast shared information with law enforcement, mm-hmm. with governments, of different governments around the world. Mm-hmm. Anchor Free is the only company that hasn't shared any information. And why? And the reason is very simple. You just don't have it. We just don't have it. Right. We've gotten over 100 subpoenas over the last two years. Mm-hmm. We just have nothing to share. Right. No matter what they're asking for, you're like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the, I mean, it's very simple. The best way to protect user data is to not log it or store it. Right. If right. you don't have it, you have nothing to hand over. So it just passes through you exactly. is really what's going on. Exactly. So what else should people be worried about? Let's, let's start with just regular case scenarios. One is don't go with a VPN that's based in China. That's kind of basic. <laughs> yeah. Like, which Kara Swisher did. Thank you very much. <laughs> so get a company that has is transparent about how it deals with subpoenas, how it deals with the information that doesn't collect information. That's one. Exactly. Two, what about in public places, using a public Wi-Fi? Super important to use VPN. Tell people why again and again. Every what time, do people do? Yeah, every time you connect to a public Wi-Fi, it's super easy uh, like, let's say you're sitting at the airport and you're mm-hmm. connecting to the San Francisco air, airport Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. It's super easy for a hacker to pretend that he or she is the San Francisco airport Wi-Fi. And you're actually connecting through that hacker to the San Francisco airport Wi-Fi. And they're mm-hmm. seeing in plain text everything you're doing, your passwords, your emails. Not, they won't necessarily see your passwords if you don't use them, correct? Correct. Right. They're if seeing you, whatever you're doing. Whatever you're whatever doing. You're doing. Right, right. So the same thing as if, if you're using Wi-Fi and in-flight Wi-Fi. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of us... People that fly for business use mm-hmm. Wi-Fi all the time and fly. Yes, I did it last night. Yeah, super easy for hackers to see what you're doing. Um, and so even if the network is safe, it's mm-hmm. secure, it doesn't matter because everyone's connecting with the same password, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so what's, uh, what we do is essentially if you turn on Hotspot Shield, we encrypt your whole network. It just looks like a, lot of, a bunch of gibberish to the hacker. Mm-hmm. So even if the hacker is trying to inspect your traffic, Mm-hmm. And even if you by accident connect through a hacker machine to the Wi-Fi, it doesn't matter because it'll take them 10 years to decrypt whatever you're doing. Right. All right. And pointless. And pointless. Mostly like an email to your mother or something Exactly. Like that. So that's one. Don't get on public anything, well, which people don't if listen you, to. If you get on to public Wi-Fi, very simply, be, use protection, right? Use protection when you're connecting to public Wi-Fi. Hotspot Shield is free. Um, or, free or version or, or others. Okay. Um, the other thing is you're in the privacy of your own home mm-hmm. and uh, your internet service provider is tracking what you're doing. Mm-hmm. In other
another major challenge for people that... What do they track exactly so people can know? Everything. Every website you visit. Right. Everything you do. The and whole they, the whole yes. data stream. Now, some of it may be useless. They may not right. care about your mm-hmm. email to your mother, but there's other stuff that may be useful. I'll give you a practical look example. Look at her go to Amazon. Look at her go to this. Oh, well, well, here's like the worst, uh, the worst possible scenario. You know, a colleague of mine went to Stanford Hospital. Mm-hmm. And the people at Stanford tell them, look, if you're going to be researching uh, health-related uh, things on Google or WebMD, make sure you use some kind of a pr- protection because that information is sold to your insurance company uh-huh. and your premiums could go up. Right. That's the war, kind of the right. worst scenario of, right. of like your, your data being collected by legitimate corporations right. without your consent. Right. It's supposed to be anonymized, right? Not necessarily. It's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but they can guess, correct? Uh, yeah. So that they could take information and piece it together exactly. about you, particularly, exactly. even though they're supposed to be anonymized or put in a bulk, correct? Totally. Right. Totally. But people can find them rather easily. From Very, what I easily. Understand. Very easily. Very right. easily. The other big problem is, you know, everybody's concerned about Facebook selling user data. Right. But actually, there's a bigger concern, which is uh, Facebook buying user data. Right. That is, I'd love to talk about that because they don't, I, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, interestingly, at the hearing said, and we don't sell your data. Yeah. What they do is they combine it with lots exactly. of other things exactly. and then sell the insights. Exactly. So the, that's the concern, a very, more dangerous thing. Exactly. Because you can make uh, – Facebook could argue that if you go to Facebook and you like certain things and you post certain things, that you've sort of given Facebook that information. Right. You know, whether you agree with that Signals. or not. Yeah. But right. uh, when you go to WebMD, you never gave Facebook anything. Right. But if they buy that information and combine it with their, your Facebook profile, now they know not only the things that you liked on Facebook, they actually know uh, basically your healthcare's history. Right. And that's pretty scary. Right. And that's a real concern. That they piece it together. They used to. They did that with Axiom. They were combining things or voter registration yeah. things, or they can combine it with any other outside data, and exactly. it's enough to really be able to track you rather exactly anonymously, yet not. Correct. And so what that does is they can't see any traffic. They can't see any traffic. If uh, you, consumers or businesses are using hotspots, they, they can't see any traffic. All right. What right. else is a danger? You're traveling abroad. So you're traveling abroad. Uh, hackers, obviously, trying to see uh, what you're doing, trying to steal your data. You're paying with PayPal from abroad. Mm-hmm. You're doing other things. I mean, we see a lot of businesses, small and medium-sized businesses using us. We mm-hmm. recently launched Hotspot for Business mm-hmm. for their employees that are traveling a lot, connecting in public Wi-Fi to stay secure and private. Mm-hmm. And then there's phishing. So, you know, people get emails. Looks like it's from your bank. You click on it and yeah. it, you know, it actually yeah. looks like the banking site. It does. And, you know, they steal, they ask for your login and password and they steal it and then they can log into your bank account. So we block uh, 36 million uh, malware and phishing domains. Mm-hmm. That, that are sort of updated daily. So you can't get to them. So, you, yeah, if you click on a, an email that looks like it's from your bank and it's really a phishing site, we will block it and we'll notify you. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of when we're talking about the security and privacy challenges of the future versus the PC antivirus of the past. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're talking about. It's like there are major concerns about data collection mm-hmm. by ISPs, by governments, by hackers. Mm-hmm. There are major concerns about Wi-Fi usage, which you know everybody uses Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. There are major concerns about phishing. And there are major concerns about malware. And combining all that into right. one solution right. is what we're trying to do here. All right. What's the far-out problem that people should worry about? Okay, those are things that people have heard of. What is the most – what is the latest thing? Well, the, the other major uh, challenge is that we're moving uh, to a world where we're going to have uh, more than 25 billion connected devices mm-hmm. uh, through IoT. Right. And my mattress today is actually mm-hmm. a smart mattress. What? 
so I have a little thing called Sleep Tracker on my okay. mattress. All it right. reports back how well I sleep. All right. right? Our refrigerators mm-hmm. are going to be smart. Right. Our, um, you know, and the Google Homes. Uh, and the, exactly. Yeah, the yeah, Nest thermostats. Yeah. All these things. And so— uh, I have all, a Nest thermostat in a home I just bought. I yeah. just—I don't know what to do with okay. it. I, at least you didn't buy the one from I, the Chinese company. I didn't know. It was uh, I. Uh, I put a bag on it already. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bag yeah. on it. It's really a beautiful piece of art. Actually, it's nice. a beautifully designed. But thing, it's but definitely. It's probably listening to you. Oh, it's not going to be listening. It's got a bag and a pillow on it. Nice. Go ahead. I'll be taking it down. I'll be taking nice. it down. Yeah. But yeah, that's like I need more Google in my home. Anyway. Exactly. All right. So, so that's the thing where um, your home is becoming smart, and all this information is being reported through the internet to various places: your mm-hmm. doctor, the store whatever. And protecting all of that information is extremely important. Like a crazy stat that I read is that 90% of all the data mm-hmm. collected about us and known about us today has been collected over the last two years. Right. Which wow. is a pretty, pretty crazy stat because if you think about the next five years, yeah. and we've got 25 billion new devices connected, we have 5 billion new internet users coming online, our information is going to be exponentially like larger, right? Right. And it's going to be a convenience for a lot of us, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be convenient that uh, we can get information how what we sleep or what we eat and get, you know, your refrigerator to order milk when you're running mm-hmm. out. That's all a convenience, but it's also a major, major concern right. and a goldmine for hackers. Right, 100%. And I think what people realize is they're giving it away without a fight, you know, not without even thinking exactly. about it. It's exactly. sort of like leaving their door open. And you know what? It's super simple to protect yourself. That's right. the thing. That's what, like, no, I think what most people don't understand is that it's super, super simple to use very easy security and privacy solutions to protect your data. Right, right. All right when we get back, we're going to talk more about this. And I want to talk a little about where privacy legislation is going in the future uh, and more, because there's a lot of it on the horizon, yes. including some recent hearings. There's going to be, there's a new California privacy law. Yep. Obviously, Europe is very big in this. When we get yes. back, we're talking with David Gorodyansky, he's the CEO of Anchor Free, which provides uh, privacy and security software for your phone and your computer. We're here with David Gordyansky. He's the CEO of Anchor Free. David, we talked a little bit about like what risks you have, but let's talk about the bigger picture of privacy. This has been something that's been largely because of the recent things around the elections, and which wasn't really hacking, and it wasn't really privacy, which isn't, it's just the misuse of these social platforms, which have an enormous amount of data. And I think the focus mm-hmm. has been on the enormous amount of data they have about people. Mm-hmm. Um, this, it's time it was sold uh, to a group that then used it for election things. I think that we'll have no way of knowing if it had an impact, but we have the vague sense that yes, it absolutely did. There was uh, false advertising on Facebook and Twitter, there, and some on Google and YouTube. There was fake news, There was which is a whole nother problem. Um, there was the the lack of transparency in ads, and pol- especially political ads. Let's talk about the bigger picture. And of course, this country pretty much has done no discernible regulation of the internet in any way in order to allow it to grow, which I think most people feel it's been a pretty good trade-off. But now people are, those chickens are coming home to roost, I think, in a lot of ways. So talk to me about the bigger picture and where we are. There's an incredible amount of data that's mm-hmm. going to be available about us in the coming years. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it's coming from our IoT devices years, yeah. or mobile phones mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. And there's a need to protect the data. Mm-hmm. Consumers deserve the right and businesses deserve the right to have very simple common sense protection for mm-hmm. their information. But at the same time, there's a lot of forces out there that you know don't want no, why would you? Don't want privacy. And, you know, there's a lot of, whether it's, you know, governments around the world mm-hmm. or corporations, you know, or hackers, 
that have great incentives for our data to not be protected. Right. There's um, one group that just wants to steal our information so they can ba- raid our bank accounts or raid our credit cards. That's one. That's the hackers. And that's right. those have been around since – bank robbers have been around for the beginning of time. That's yeah. essentially what they are. But they're just exactly. using more sophisticated means to do so yep. or to take people's profiles or whatever, whatever nefarious exactly. uses. The other is a group of people that want to use it to affect elections, to create discord on all kinds of things. That's the Russians or the Iranians or whoever, even the United States in some countries. And then there's governments who want to know everything about you in order to control you if there are more fascist governments that want that information. And then there's the Facebooks and Googles of the world that just want to make a buck mm-hmm. off of you. Exactly. So it's coming from everywhere. It's coming from everywhere, and there's very few that are saying, hey, how do we protect all of this data? Mm -hmm. And how do we really put the consumer or the business in control of their own information? Mm -hmm. For me, you know, having started Anchor Free when I was 23 years old and being very naive and idealistic, this is both a business issue, a technology issue, and a moral issue. Mm -hmm. I actually morally think that it's the right thing to do Mm -hmm. to provide people this basic human right of privacy Mm -hmm. where every user has the ability to click a button and protect their information. Right. But at a high level, I've been watching legislature. Mm-hmm. The first thing, I mean, this was maybe eight years ago. You might, you probably remember there's this thing called Do Not Track mm-hmm. in Congress. I don't know. It hung out there forever and yeah. nothing really happened. Yeah, that sounds like right, about right. There's, has like, been what a, happened to the Honest Ads Act? That didn't pass, right? I mean, just there's bad. just all this kind of stuff. Okay. I'll tell you, I had dinner in D.C. with the only FCC commissioner who voted against the repeal of net neutrality in the mm-hmm. current FCC. And also Reed Hunt, who was the uh, chairman of the FCC under Bill Clinton, was mm-hmm. on my has mm-hmm. been on my board of advisors for quite mm-hmm. some time. Uh, we've been discussing the, these issues, and I kind of we're, we're very strong supporters of net neutrality, mm-hmm. but kind of came at it and said, you know what? Let the policy makers do whatever they do. We're going to provide a technological solution to this, and we launched a software development kit mm-hmm. that essentially any app developer can integrate. And preserve net neutrality. It disrupts mm-hmm. the ability for internet service providers to discriminate against their traffic. Yeah. Because we anonymize the way the traffic looks. Right. And like you don't know if it's from you don't know if it's Netflix, Twitter, or YouTube. Yeah. It it's all it all right. looks like anchor free, and so you can't right. discriminate. At a high level, I think that the technology industry needs to provide these technology solutions to privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't know if sort of governments will get there. Although mm-hmm. Europe certainly has taken the first step, GDPR, mm-hmm. you know, everybody argues it's a huge annoyance. Mm-hmm. You, you know, people have to change their practices. It's mm-hmm. a pain, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I honestly do because it's it's the first step sort of So Europe's in the right been direction. the most stringent in they terms have. of putting the GDPR. And, and a lot of things, not uh, right to not be known, which is very yeah. difficult. All, yeah. It does get in the way of these people's businesses pretty yeah. much. And their argument now is the more regulation the better off for us because we can maintain them while small player. That's their new argument. Just so you know. Okay. Probably they're right on that one, I have to say. It's a good argument yeah. to make. But so, so don't put regulations in, and therefore we will eventually get overcome by other startups. That's, I think, they're generally. It's a fascinating argument. It's interesting. Well, that's great. So, the, so then we're going to try to, to overcome them. Yes, exactly. So, so there's that. So that's one. But the, then there is here in California a privacy bill that uh, not everybody's happy with, but it is certainly the most stringent in the nation mm-hmm. um, in terms of protecting privacy. It doesn't look like there's going to be any movement in the U.S. government in, federal, in terms of federal. Correct? Am I wrong about that? 
I don't. I think there's going to be a lot of it. yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of bills. I don't mm-hmm. actually know if anything's going to pass or right. They threaten all kinds of things like yeah. content moderation bills, algorithm transparency bills, bills around uh, that. That'll be interesting. That'll never pass. Yeah, you know, I, I personally like support a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, sort of with a grain of salt, and that being, I actually think a lot of it is more philosophical than right. practical. And like philosophically, you're like California, internet privacy, great, right? right. And then practically, you're like, I don't know if this thing, this stuff, like, uh, is it going to work? Is it going to pass? And so I still think, at least uh, sort of from where we're sitting, we're looking at a lot of global issues. And, you know, our business is built on sort of this intersection of, human rights, foreign policies, and technology. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the world and we're saying, look, we have more faith in ourselves mm-hmm. providing technology solutions like we did with net neutrality. Because right. we got tired of talking about it with politicians and we right. just launched technology that actually uh, enables any app developer for free mm-hmm. to preserve net neutrality if they want to. Right. And in the same way, we're just going to provide common sense tech solutions to some of these most pressing global challenges. And uh, hopefully, you know, people in business will adopt them. I mean, so far, it's certainly working. Mm -hmm. So what do you imagine is going to pass? Is there any federal legislation? I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They'll pass a, like, the recent one is the idea that they should um, nationalize Internet companies, which is, that's an insane one. That's yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah. a Laura Ingram inanity um, that I think will probably pass. But is there anything that you think will pay, has any chance, any privacy bill, any? I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I would like to see more countries take the route that Europe has. Mm-hmm. I think they, are there they're any really. countries that are going to do that? I don't know. Um, I really well, not don't know. China. We know that. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly. Russia. Not China. Mm-hmm. But none of them will, I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah. You might see some bills in certain countries where Facebook is having bad impacts, them passing bills to restrict the use of, of things like that. But nothing else, really. What would you? What yeah. would be the perfect bill for you for the U.S.? I mean, ideally, you'd have something where consumers uh, would have to opt in right. if they wanted their data to be collected for An some internet reason. Internet bill of rights, per se. Right, mm-hmm. and um, opt out when they didn't, and it'd be really simple. I mean, if it's a twelve-page privacy policy, it doesn't work. But if it's like one button, you know, yeah. I want to be private or I don't want to be private. Mm-hmm. You know, that something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, I just think there's this massive opportunity in the private sector to provide solutions for privacy and security. Right. Right. I just think, I think we'll just it. move a lot faster. We'll just move. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll continue what to support these self-regulation things. self-regulation of some of these companies that make all their money, like the Facebooks and Googles of the world? Do, well, you do they, saw, have the, they keep saying they will have the control. Well, you saw what happened to the Facebook stock, um, you know, around uh, having to implement GDPR in Europe. Right. Their European revenue suffered, like mm-hmm. for real. Right. So it's very hard for them to self-regulate in a in a material way, mm-hmm. not not in a PR type of way, but in a real way. Yes, it's a really good uh, because they seriously um, lose revenue mm-hmm. if they can't sell private data. Right now, I would argue that you know if they're long thinking long term, if people are only concerned about protecting their data thirty percent of the time, it may not be a bad idea for these companies to say, look, let, let's let people. Tell us when that 30% is, and we won't track mm-hmm. them for real. Mm-hmm. And yes, our revenue will go down in the short term, but in the long term, the trust in our brand, right? Right. Yeah. Our consumers are going to like us a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. The product becomes less. You, you have a feeling you're being yeah. tracked. Yeah. You, I don't think there's anybody in the world today that trusts Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think they use them. It's a great product. They have their mm-hmm. your friends are there. You, you want to hang out with your friends. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I don't think anyone trusts them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. And if they wanted to earn tr- that trust, and the thing, the same thing actually for governments. I don't think there's a lot of people that trust the government here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's a, true for Europe. Right. I actually think that a lot of Europeans, a lot of Germans, or, mm-hmm. or you know, would tell you they actually trust their government with their data because because of these things like GDPR. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you know, if I was a government of some country, and I wanted to earn that trust. In a post-Nodan world and stuff, I would go support things like GDPR because mm-hmm. actually um, that earns trust. Right. So where where do you think it's going now? Where you know, with the as you were saying, last two years we've gotten all this data downloaded about us. There's more and more devices that are just people are embracing, and you know there'll be more glasses, clothing, mm-hmm. um, embedded technology in people. You know, like we'll have some sort of phone in our ear at some point. That's like or, uh, we have, we just have. So the solution right now are these smaller companies that are making hay out of the abuses of the bigger companies. As long as those companies have real technology mm-hmm. and real architecture around those technologies to really protect the user, mm-hmm. then yes. If those te- companies are sort of, right. uh, you know, operations in a garage that are making a lot of noise and then um, are actually not truly protecting user information, mm-hmm. then they're actually worse because right. they're actually fooling people into believing that that they're protecting them when they're not. And so right. I think there may be a couple of things that could happen. One, the big security companies wake up and mm-hmm. start innovating. Right. They haven't innovated for a while because they're mostly owned by private equity firms, and all mm-hmm. they're doing is uh, milking, milking the cash, milking. right? But one, one scenario is they wake up, they're like, this is a big business opportunity, let's go innovate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is uh, startups like Anchor Free come around and disrupt the space, mm-hmm. which you know we're, we're hoping to do. The third, that some of these uh, big corporations will self-regulate in a real way, I, probably not, mm-hmm. simply because it seriously hurts their bottom line. Mm-hmm. That governments will uh, sort of follow Europe, maybe, but probably very slowly, mm-hmm. and um, not in the next five years. Right, I, I would think. But uh, you know, the other thing is like security and privacy go hand in hand. You really can't have one without the other. And so, mm-hmm. if you want to build like really secure systems, but yet you still want to collect user data, that's that's a challenge. And so, really, for the next billion people. I think the future is going to be, yes, you have all these hundreds of connected devices. Your life is always connected. But for that 30% of time where you want to be private, you're just going to have uh, the security and privacy suite that you're going to subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Just like you subscribe to Netflix, you're just going to have it. Right. And everyone's going to have it. The next billion people, like every right. American is going to have it. And it's just going to protect you when you need that protection. Yeah. It's too bad we can't just be protected. It's kind of funny when you, it's like hiring your own private security force when you should. But be. we can. That's the, yeah. the great thing yeah. is we can. Like you look in the app store and we're right there yeah. in the top fifty. Yeah. People yeah. are waking up and um, they're and figuring it out. They're figuring it out. It's not a great realization. So to finish up, the, th- the things people have to do is get yourself that kind of protection. Let, name the three things that people should do. Definitely use Hotspot Shield for or, or someone or, or, or someone else. Yeah, you you, you use a security product yeah. f- to protect yourself with public Wi-Fi and protect your internet even at home and at mm-hmm. work. Two, I would suggest using a good password manager. Mm-hmm. Right. I uh, use one password. Yeah, they're they're great actually. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're really good. I still don't understand it, but go ahead. Uh, so, so so that's that, that's two. Three, there's all kinds of things that you can opt out of, like face recognition on Facebook, mm-hmm. which I really recommend people do. Yeah. So a lot of people don't really— What about on Apple? Uh, Apple— f- It stores it on the phone. So. Yeah, it's local, so it's yeah. not, it shouldn't be as, that much yeah. of a concern, but yeah. you can opt out yeah. of it if you're concerned. Yeah. Certainly, you can use incognito in your browser. Right. Um, 
But again, like 87% of our usage mm-hmm. is in apps. Explain incognito for people. Uh, incognito just means that uh, your browser is not going to collect the, inf- the right. websites you visit. Right, right. So but but that shouldn't be mistaken by the fact that your IP address, which is yes, the number exactly. that your ISP gives you, yeah. will still be collected by all those websites. Right, right, right exactly. Uh, unless, unless you use VPN. Right, absolutely. This has been really interesting with David Gornyansky. He's the CEO of Anchor Free, and he's doing God's work as far as I'm concerned. If you really are worried about all the, the information these companies have on and you should be, please uh, use his products and all the other security products that, uh, that we have to protect ourselves with. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Kara. If you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find more episodes of Recode Decode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you didn't like the interview, I I don't care. You just want to say hi. You can tweet at me and tell me I'm an idiot. I'm at Kara Swisher on Twitter. If you're going to yell at me about Steve Bannon, please stop. Now that you're done with this, go check out the latest episode of Recode Media. You should find that show wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.